Welcome to What Happened to You, the podcast that interviews footballers of the past today about their interviews from the past. Don't worry, it will all make sense when you listen. On this episode, supported by the set pieces, we talk to former Bristol Rovers, Tottenham Hotspur and England defender Gary Mabbott about his super focus interview for Shoot Magazine from around 1983. You can find the original interview on our Twitter feed at WHTYPod and on our dedicated channel over at The Set Pieces, www.thesetpieces.com. Full name. Gary Vincent Mabbott. Uh, birthplace and date? Born in Bristol on the 23rd of August 1961. Uh, and your height? Is 5 foot 10. And do you still weigh 10 stone 8 pounds? <laughs> uh, no, I don't actually have the same weight at the moment. I'm not sure I want to answer that question, so I'll answer it just to confuse everybody in kilograms, and I'm about uh, 96 kilograms, and please don't convert it. <laughs> well, if you don't get on the scales, they can't lie. That's right, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Gary, um, or should that be Dr. Gary Mabbott, MBE, uh, welcome to what happened to you. How have you been doing during all this lockdown stuff? Are you keeping well? Yes, not too bad, thank you. Um, I've had to self-isolate, not because of my age. I'm only 58 years of age, but um, I've been diabetic for 42 years and they put me on seven injections a day now and had a heart bypass last year. So all of those things put together, my doctors told me, Gary, just don't get the virus. So uh, I've hardly been out for the last five months. Um, Obviously, things are starting to get back to normal. Uh, So I have been out a couple of times to go across London, on the trains and tubes for my hospital appointments at King's College Hospital, who look after me. But it's, uh, it's all still very weird. Well, we're going to pick our way through this shoot interview from around 1983, uh, which is only a year after you joined Tottenham from your hometown club, Bristol Rovers. One thing I wonder about these player profiles is, um, did you take them seriously when they asked these sorts of questions? I, I know one or two players whose answers are a dead giveaway that they couldn't be bothered or that they were just taking the mickey? Uh, No, I always answered them, um, obviously, as professionally as I can. Uh, If I'm asked to do something generally, I like to do it to the best of my ability. Uh, So, yes, I mean, you can be a bit frivolous. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I have read some which are clearly taking the the mickey when they've answered the questions. Um, But, no, mine were uh, as per at the time and... um, uh, yeah, obviously you say maybe in a bit tongue in cheek with some of them, but generally uh, they were all answered as best as possible. Well, uh, when you were asked about who you, the biggest influence was on your career, you said that it was your father, Ray, who had also been a long serving uh, professional at Bristol Rovers. Um, was he the type of dad that would have you out in the garden practicing your skills all the time? Or did your parents try to steer you towards a proper job as you got older? Uh if I'm being honest, uh, obviously I had a brother who was involved in football uh, called Kevin, who um, was a centre forward and you know, had, as he was growing up, uh, he had all the attributes and all the skills. Um, so a lot of emphasis was put on 
uh, we thought, um, I think my father thought that my brother was going to be the, um, you know, the footballer within the family. Uh, I loved the game, um, but uh, my father made sure that I concentrated on my schoolwork. I went to a grammar school in Bristol. So I came out of it with, uh, I did my O-levels then. And my O-levels, um, I got enough O-levels to have gone into sixth form to have done my A-levels. Uh, so I had to work hard at school for that. Uh, the A-levels I should have got, everyone got like, you know, they got cookery and they got metalwork and woodwork. I failed all those. Uh, but lucky enough, I got maths, English, history, chemistry and geography. So um, I could have gone to sixth form, but I was offered an apprenticeship at Bristol Rovers. Uh, so uh, I followed that route. So most evenings, my father, when I came home from school, he's very, it was very much set up. I had to do my homework first. Um, but then I used to go out in the garden and uh, with a ball and basically practice. Um, so yes, it, every night I'd go out with the ball, uh, practicing and improve my skills. And uh, fortunately, that uh, that proved me and uh, put me in good stead for my future. Yeah. Well, you mentioned your brother Kevin, uh, who was also a pro, uh, played for Bristol City uh, and Crystal Palace. Um, and when you were asked uh, in the interview who who your favourite player was. And also to pick a player for the future. I think it was quite sweet that you actually named Kevin uh, in both of those questions. Yeah, he'd never forgive me if I hadn't have mentioned him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, no, obviously, yeah, yeah, Kevin was. Uh, he's two and a half years older than me, um, and say so he he was a goal scorer, uh, but didn't unfortunately reach the heights that uh, maybe he should have done uh, for one reason or another. Then he got injured, had a few injuries. Uh, but at that stage, uh, yeah, we're obviously very close. So, uh, yes, I picked my brother, um, uh, obviously, for clearly obvious reasons. <laughs> um, I suppose most people remember you as a centre-back, although you did play in midfield at various points in your career. So I suppose it's a, perhaps a little uh, unsurprising that the answer you gave uh, to the question, who was your childhood football hero? Um, you said Bobby Moore. For your generation, Moore really was a, a player and personality uh, that, that you could aspire to. Yes, uh, I think growing up, Bobby Moore was my hero. Uh, you know, his footballing abilities, the respect that he gained, uh, you know, through how he managed, uh, you know, being captain uh, both of his club and of England, winning obviously the World Cup. Uh, so yes, he was the person uh, to me that was the epitome of what I wanted to be uh, so he was my role model you say he was a central defender but uh, yeah, I started you know, when I first joined Spurs even I started as a midfield player so in that era I was probably like a box-to-box midfield player of that era alongside other clubs they had sort of Graham Souness at Liverpool there's similar type box-to-box players Brian Robson John Wark at Ipswich um, so yes, that that was my game. Obviously, do all your defensive work, but then get forward when we uh, when we attacked. And uh, in my first season at Spurs, people were very generally surprised to find out I was a joint top goal scorer with Steve Archibald. So I scored twelve goals in my first season at Spurs. So yes, uh, um, I started in midfield, uh, but then I was generally a versatile player, could play most positions, uh, and then ended up uh, you know, mainly as a central defender. Um, when I first made my debut for England, I made my debut at right back because 
uh, I was due to play in midfield that game, um, but we were playing West Germany, just uh, got the semi-finals of the World Cup. So a very strong West Germany side, uh, you know, with the likes of Rummenigger in the team and uh, a very strong side. But on the morning of the game, in training, I think John Barnes went to, a bit too high in a challenge with uh, Viv Anderson and Viv got injured. And so Bobby Robson said to me, Gary, look, can you play at right back? So yeah, I made my debut game from England at, uh, at right back at Wembley against West Germany. So yes, I was a, a versatile player. Some people say that did that, did that affect me as far as establish myself in a certain position? Well, it didn't really worry me. Uh, I was quite happy to be an all round player and uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, well, actually, when you, were, when you were asked to name your most memorable matches up to that point, um, you did mention your, your debut for England against West Germany at Wembley. Uh, you also included the, uh, the Charity Shield, I think it would have been 1982, uh, against, uh, against Liverpool. Um, if we look across your entire Tottenham career uh, and you had to pick out one memorable match, uh, which one would you choose? Oh, that's a very good question. I mean, obviously we had the UEFA Cup win in 1984. We beat Anderlecht. Um, I would probably choose the FA Cup final in 1991. Um, we beat Arsenal in the semi-final. Arsenal had already won the title. They were going for the double. We had a up-and-down season. Um, but uh, we completely outplayed Arsenal in that semi-final. Um, and that was a fantastic victory. But then we had Nottingham Forest in the final. And, uh, of course, um, we won that game. And I think as captain of the side, walking up those steps at Wembley, um, that moment when you received the, tr- the trophy, the Duke and Duchess of Kent were there, Prince Charles, Princess Diana were there. Uh, but that moment when you stand in front of them and you get given the trophy, you turn, you share that moment with the fans in the stadium, all the Spurs fans worldwide watching on television. Um, yeah, that was an incredible moment. So I think uh, I would choose the 1991 FA Cup final against Nottingham Forest. Um, well, I'm sorry to have to bring this up, but um, we can't really talk about you in FA Cup finals without mentioning the 1987 final, uh, which Spurs lost against Coventry City. And of course, you had a hand, or, or should I say knee, in Coventry's winner. Yeah, sorry, I thought you were going to ask me about scoring for Spurs in that game as well. But obviously that always seems to get left out, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, no, I'm an absolute legend in Coventry. Uh, free food and drink for life. <laughs> I think someone told me they had an internet vote uh, just a years ago. The most influential player in Coventry's history, and I won the vote. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, obviously very disappointing for us. We would had a fantastic season. We played some great football that year. Uh, in 87, uh, we went into the cup finals being the strong favourites on the day. You know, it was a great, for the neutrals, it was a great cup final. Um, end-to-end stuff, very attacking, um, but full credit to Coventry. They hung in there, they fought. Uh, we did everything we could to, you know, to win the game. Um, but uh, as you say, it was uh, they broke down our left-hand side in extra time. Um I think it was uh, Louis McGrath, I think it was, that uh, had the ball. I had to come across to try and block the cross into the box. And, you know, 99 times out of 100, the ball will hit your leg and go out for a corner or hit your ball and fall into the arms of Ray Clements in goal 
or hit or hit your leg and fall for you to clear the ball. On this one small occasion, uh, the ball just hit the top of my knee as I turned. I could see it looping over Ray Clements into the far corner. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Um, uh, it happens when the final whistle went. It's the first FA Cup final. I think the only one Spurs have ever lost. And it was a huge disappointment. Um, but I've always been a person that, uh, you know, everybody in life gets setbacks in whatever they do. Uh, in their family life, in their in their work life, in their business world, um, but I've always used every setback as a stepping stone to move forward. So yes, it was a huge disappointment, um, but uh, you know those things happen in life. You have to deal with them, and uh, yeah, obviously, let's say absolute legend in Coventry. Very disappointed on the day. Um, I remember and how things work out but uh we had to have an open tour open bus top tour from white Hart lane down to the uh down to the mayor's offices in uh in harringay um the following day it's all been booked all the roads were shut you know hopefully for a victory parade it wasn't a victory parade we lost the cup final but we still had to do it uh one man and his dog turned up for the victory parade uh, and there were a couple there holding a banner saying, Gary, we don't blame you. So <laughs> uh, you, you had to smile at that. But as I say, um, these things happen in life. It happened. Uh, and, uh, you yeah, know, full credit to commentary. Disappointing for us and uh, the players and for our fans. Uh, but that's life. These things happen. You have to move on and deal with it. And it's McGrath. Pickering's in the centre. Regis joining him. It's one of those that he just inadvertently deflected. McGrath went down the line. He curved it in for a cross. And Nabbert, that has to be an own goal. It changed the whole direction of the ball and beat Ray Clements. And Nabbert, who may have forced a similar goal at the other end, is now victim of one which puts his team behind. Yeah, well, you mentioned about being uh, extremely popular in Coventry, uh, and I, th- I would say this is a, a fair observation, um, is that uh, much in the same way that your hero, Bobby Moore, uh, was universally admired by supporters from all clubs, um, I don't think I've ever heard, seen or read a bad word said about you. Um, and, and that's, you know, you would be one of a very few amount of players who seem to be respected and, dare I say it, liked, even by their fiercest opponents, um, you, you may say differently, mind you, especially uh, from the Arsenal fans. Well, no, I think uh, one of my main ambitions, I think, in life, uh, and you know, everything I do, I try and do the best I can. Um, you know, I try and earn respect for what I do. Um, I love being a footballer. Football, to me, is all about you know, going out, out there, showing your abilities, but playing the game within the, within the rules. Um, I like to say that I was always a very strong, determined uh, player. Uh, every challenge I went in for, I go in for 100% and as tough as I possibly could and as strong as I could, but in a fair manner. Um, I don't think I ever, um, if anybody ever got injured from a challenge by me, it was a total accident. I never ever you know, used my arms or elbows or went out to 
take somebody out on purpose. If I'd have gone to take somebody out on purpose and broken their leg and finished their career, I'd have been absolutely devastated doing that to a fellow professional. Um, you know, there's always the talk about, uh, people always talk about, you know, good guys never win things. Um, I think that's absolute nonsense. Uh, I, I've never seen a film where the, you know, where the bad guys win. Um, I think people in life, you, you can achieve things by being the person that you are. And, uh, and so for me, um, and I say that's, I think probably why I've never been a player that was hated by the opponents, uh, or may, maybe in the, the Arsenal clock end case. Mm. Um, but, but no, generally, um, you know, I was very happy to have had a career whereby I'd like to think I can walk into a room of any group of supporters and, uh, be welcomed and be able to have normal conversations. Uh, well, in a little bit of a snapshot of your life, uh, in 1983, you were driving a Ford Sierra, uh, listening to Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, and Olivia Newton-John. Your favourite TV show was Minder, and you'd recently enjoyed watching the film Firefox, which starred Clint Eastwood and was about, Amer uh, about American plans to steal a top-secret Russian fighter plane. Do you remember that movie at all? Yes, no, I remember the movie, and uh, yeah, at, at the time, it's... Uh, you know, obviously, in that era, there's a lot of talk still about the sort of um, uh, the ongoing issues between uh, America and Russia and, um, you know, the ongoing political situations. Uh, so, yeah, so that really interested me. And, of course, uh, you know, that was an era when there were a lot more issues, say, between the countries. So, yes, it was quite an interesting film to watch as far as my... Uh, music tastes are concerned obviously they've changed over the years but uh i still have um uh, you know i think michael jackson the people i was talking about diana ross elton john uh people like that i think they are people whose music will be loved forever um you know obviously over the years you see a lot of music that comes out maybe fantastic music at the time but uh you know two or three years later you may maybe not hear of that uh those groups or those singers uh, so yes, uh, I still have a, a strong affinity to you know the, the, the greats. Um, even going back, obviously, I was born in 1961. So during the 60s, of course, the, the Beatles uh, were uh, obviously at the top of their profession. Um, so no, I mean over the years, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of people from the music industry. Uh, also playing, came quite some good friends with Tony Hadley from Spandau Ballet. Um, I think he's probably more of an Arsenal fan, though. But uh, <laughs> uh, so yes, I, I've been lucky to have met a lot of people from the industries, and um, uh, I think that's what, uh, yeah, obviously being a uh, lucky enough to be at Spurs for 16 years and one of the longest-serving captains uh, of the club for 11 years. So yes, uh, that's that, that's brought its, um, as I say, perks being able to to meet a lot of people from the film and from the theatre and music industry. Well, you, you mentioned about being at Spurs for 16 years. Um, you were asked what you would have done had you not made it as a player, to which you said uh, either a financial consultant or business executive. So could we have seen you working in the city of London rather than North London? Well, again, that was the area that my father was also involved in. Um, and I think that the role that he was playing in the, at the time then was to try and build people's portfolios and uh, just the start of sort of um, you know, people investing their monies in different areas. 
So that sort of quite interested me. Let's say at school, um, my best subject at school was maths. Um, I, I loved maths. A lot of people hate it, but I loved it. Um, so yes, I think if there was any doubts about whether or not I was going to be a professional footballer, I think if I hadn't have been, I was, I was on a route that would have taken me um, to do my A-levels and then on to university. Um, and I probably uh, would have gone down the sort of the, the financial uh, business route. Um, where that would have led me, who would have known? Um, but uh, I've been rather fortunate that I mentioned before about uh, you know earning things through being a footballer. Um, I was I'm very proud that I, I received an MBE from the Queen um, for my services to the game, which uh, again was a, a very proud moment. I remember myself and my parents went to Buckingham Palace and received that from the Queen, and also. University of Bath honoured me with an honorary doctorate degree. So I'm an honorary doctor of health uh, from Bath University. From Bristol University, I uh, received an honorary doctorate of law. And from the University of Hertfordshire, I received an honorary uh, master of science. So uh, it's quite a lot of letters there after, <laughs> after your name. Uh, weren't earned through going through university and uh, studying for a a long time and uh, putting the efforts there but um i still quite like to like the the thought that what i've achieved um as a professional sportsman in my role uh enabled me to be given the respect by these uh, universities to to give me those degrees so yes i'm very lucky in a way um, around the time of this shoot interview you played with some fantastic players uh, none more so than glenn hoddle uh, and then a few years later, the team evolved and included the likes of Gary Lineker, Chris Waddle, and of course, Paul Gascoigne. Um, you get to choose just one of either Hoddle or Gazza to play alongside you in a Tottenham Hotspur Legends eleven. Which one gets the nod and why? I'm asked this question many, many times. And I honestly can, if people say, no, guy, you got to name the one person. I mean, I was lucky when I was during my Spurs era, yeah, I played with, you know, Glenn Hoddle, Steve Perriman, Ozzy Ardiles, Ricky Villa, Ray Clements in goal. You know, then along the times I was at Spurs and you, know, you like mentioned Chrissy Waddle, I played alongside uh, Richard Goff, one of the best partnerships mm. I ever had at Spurs. Uh, then the likes of you say, Gary Lineker, Paul Gascoigne, Jurgen Klinsmann, Teddy Sheringham, David Ginola. The list and list goes on and on, both for, for my club and for England. Um, people ask me who's my best player I've ever played with. And that's a bit of a trick question because uh, I played in a, a game for Nelson Mandela's 90th birthday celebrations in Cape Town. And I, I was picked for a, a World Eleven. Um, and on our team that day, we had Christian Carambo, Zubi Zaretta. We had uh, Rude Hullet. Uh, we had a certain player up front called Pele. Um, so I played alongside Pele in that game. Uh, which is obviously quite nice. Played alongside Diego Maradona in Aussie or did his testimonial game at White Hart Lane. Uh, fantastic midfield that day. Of uh, We had Ardiles, Hoddle, Maradona and Mabbott. So, uh, yeah, that, that was obviously quite a pleasant evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to choose between overall really at Spurs, um, I think it has to come down. I cannot choose between Glenn Hoddle and Paul Gascoigne. 
both of them, their abilities, Glenn's range of passing, his vision. Um, Gaza could just grab a game that you didn't deserve to win by the scruff of the neck and turn the game your way. Uh, really, I cannot choose between the two of them. Um, it'd be unfair to choose because um, I think if we were lucky enough to see the best of Paul Gascoigne in 1990-91 season, um, if Paul hadn't had the injury then, I think he'd have gone on to be obviously even more of a you know a superstar than he than he was even. Um, but his injury, I think, sort of you know curtailed a bit of his um, you know his career at that time. Uh, but overall, choosing between Glenn and Oz, uh, sorry Glenn and Gaza, I cannot do it. Um, Ozzy ideal is is obviously just nipping at their uh, nipping at their tails um, behind them. But as I say, I was very lucky to play with some fantastic footballers. Yeah, well, you mentioned all about all the quality players that you played with around this time in the, the early to mid nineteen eighties. Um, why do you think that that Spurs side that was packed full of great players? Um, was always seen as a cup team rather than title challengers because um, you didn't really push the likes of Liverpool and Everton as hard as, as what may have been expected. No, and that's one of the disappointing things. Um, every season that we started, we believed we were going to win things. Uh, and we always did better in cup competitions. Uh, why? I've got no idea. Uh, there were times at Spurs where due to our history and our traditions there was a period of time whereby maybe we would buy the best players available or the superstars of the game that were available um, and then we, we would build our team around them um, at the time Arsenal basically you know under George Graham say they had this is how we're playing this is our formation if I need a player I'll bring a player to fit into my system um, so they basically had their foundations laid, everything put in place, uh, and they'd bring players in to fit the mould. We would bring players in, and then maybe we would adjust the mould of the side to fit those players in. Um, I think that that maybe lost us a bit of um, so over the the general period of time that you know years that I was there. Certainly. Uh, what we needed sort of week in, week out, um, we didn't have. Uh, and that was maybe because of what I just mentioned. So um, what happened to you after football, Gary? Uh, famously, you had that long and successful sporting career, uh, despite the fact you're a type 1 diabetic, which means, of course, you have to inject yourself several times a day uh, with insulin. And you were always very visible in raising awareness of the condition. Uh, and so I believe you've carried on working not only with diabetes charities, uh, but also with uh, disadvantaged children, both here and, and in South Africa. Yes, uh, obviously I was diagnosed as a diabetic uh, when I was 17 years of age. Um, I was told that my career was over by three of the top specialists. Um, didn't listen to that advice, mm. fortunately. And then met a gentleman that said, look, well, Gary, look, if you're, no one's ever done it before from a young age, if you're prepared to go for it, I'll back you. And uh, fortunately, as they say, the rest is history. Um, so yeah, I mean, during my whole career, I was having four injections a day and, uh, probably 10 blood tests every day, injections at half time and blood tests, uh, before and after games. Um, you know, I was doing tests at half time in cup finals. And so, yeah, I mean, all those things had to take place, had to look after myself, had to be very disciplined. 
Um, if I wasn't disciplined, I would not have been able to continue. Um, so yes, and again, I'm sort of a vice president of Diabetes UK, which I'm very proud to be. Uh, working to help um, you know, diabetics uh, in in the UK, and uh, obviously a lot of work overseas as well. Uh, I've also been an ambassador of the Prince's Trust since it began, an ambassador for the Willow Foundation, also Bob Wilson. Um, and yes, uh, just I've done a lot of work in South Africa. Uh, I was an ambassador for the World Cup in 2010, so I had like six years of working uh, to help the World Cup go to Africa for the first time. Uh, and I was delighted that uh, obviously we were able to achieve that. And then doing that took me to a lot of um, townships in Africa, from Kalicha in Cape Town to Guguletu to Soweto and Alexandra in Johannesburg. Uh, so yes, um, that's always been something which I've enjoyed doing. Uh, it's always nice to feel that um, you're able to give something back. Um, so yes, and uh, I think since finishing my career as a player, um, I've been involved with Spurs ever since uh, as a club ambassador or doing different roles uh, for the club. Uh, I'm on the FA Disciplinary Committee, have been for 20 years. So that's a very interesting position to be in. have my own company called Soccer Services, which is involved in all aspects of, um, of sport. I uh, have my own company with a partner who we make a waterless car cleaning product called Wow. So... Um, you can clean your car without using any water, so it's totally environmentally friendly and uh, totally green. Um, you use no water at all to clean your car, so you save up to like 500 litres of water every time you clean a car, that's what you, you use. Uh, with this, all you need is the product and two microfiber cloths and the car is clean. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so a lot of areas that I'm involved with, uh, but still mostly um, still involved with my biggest passion, which is football. Well, it sounds like uh, Gary Mabbott of 1983 would be extremely proud of, of what you've achieved, not only in football, uh, but also since you, since you stopped playing uh, back in the late 90s. Um, and and health-wise, you're okay. You mentioned previously that you'd had a, a heart bypass. Uh, and I also read a, something about a rather bizarre incident that happened to you in, in South Africa a couple of years ago when a, a local rodent took a liking to you. Yes, uh, I mean, obviously the last three or four years I've had a few um, medical issues. Uh, I nearly lost my leg four years ago when the blood circulation stopped going to my left leg. So I was rushed in and had an emergency operation, a long operation, and uh, with a scar from my groin down to my foot, but they've managed to save the leg, uh, which is obviously fantastic. That was a very worrying time. Um, and that's sort of had a bit of a knock-on effect because obviously... I was doing my coaching badges. I was process of doing my uh, my B badge at the time. Uh, I've been offered a number of jobs as a manager uh, over the years, um, and so looking at sort of getting involved on that side. But since the operation has meant that uh, I'm not able to kick a ball anymore or to be involved in, I can't run anymore. Be involved in, can't go and stand on wet pitches co coaching uh, with, the, with the sort of problems I have in my feet and everything. Um, so I can't sort of uh, be a coach. So that's something which um, you know I was disappointed about. But everything else involved in the game. So whether it be yeah, you, know, you could be a managerial side, a director of football, somebody that sorts out the, uh, the scouting networks of clubs. There's a lot of players now at the Premiership level go out on loan, dealing with um, looking after those those players or roles that I could perform. So I've been offered a number of roles over the last uh, two or three years. 
um, involving um, one was director of football, one was involving setting up scouting networks and dealing with the loan players. Um, but they've all been at clubs uh, outside of Spurs. Um, so ideally, uh, if those roles ever came available at Spurs, I'd be very interested. Um, but unfortunately, on the coaching side, I can't do, but everything else, I'm more than able. Well, Gary, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you today, to Cast and I back over 35 plus years ago. Uh, uh, thanks so much for being with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to What Happened to You. You can find us across all the main podcast platforms, so please don't forget to subscribe. For updates about future guests and new episodes, follow us on Twitter at WHTYPod. For extra content related to what happened to you, including the original interviews that inspired this episode, visit our friends The Set Pieces at www.thesetpieces.com and follow them on Twitter at The Set Pieces. We'll be back again soon, so until next time, goodbye.